So for those of you that have done this reflection giving thing, like this whole reflection giving thing that I'm doing right now, thank you. Preparing this for me at least was way harder than worship leading. <laughs> it's tricky to find words and ideas that they're helpful, intelligible, and fit together. I've tried, tried to do this. All I ask is that you keep your expectations low so that I don't disappoint. <laughs> Before I begin, please say the Our Father with me. We'll use the word sins at that one part. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory now and forever. Amen. So I put some pictures up here. If it's distracting to you, you can pin my face if you listen better looking at people's faces, or you can keep us the picture and I together. When Jesus chose to leave his mother's side in order to remain behind and learn from and with the wider Jewish community at the temple, he surprised and impressed the grown-ups. He is described as interacting with teachers at the temple thoughtfully by listening, asking, and answering questions. At the end of this particular story, Jesus's ongoing spiritual and intellectual development as a person of God is described in these words. Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. Just as Jesus continually grew in wisdom after that memorable day at the temple, there is an increase in ourselves as we purposely, willingly grow and mature in our faithful understanding and, de and decisions. Speaking of growth and temples, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, there is a very brief mention of Samuel's mother's yearly pilgrimage to Shiloh when she would bring a new robe for Samuel to wear as he grew. It is important to note that this takes place after the emotional journey of chapter one, where we wait and suffer with Samuel's mother as she remains barren for what sounds like an uncomfortably long period of time. After she is eventually given the glorious gift of Samuel, she promptly gives him up after he's weaned, probably about age three or four, to serve at the temple as an act of praise and thanks to God. As I've gone over the lectionary texts for this week, this piece of Samuel's story has revisited my thoughts over and over. I know it's ironic as someone slowly, hopefully slowly, and permanently losing vision myself, but I am a very visual person. The image in my mind of Hannah, Samuel's mother, sewing larger and larger robes each year, lovingly, thoughtfully, prayerfully pushing and pulling each stitch, 
quickly became a significant centerpiece for the message this week. There is indeed this type of increase as we grow in our faith. Understanding and love for God and one another. It is as if we are wearing robes of ourselves, of virtued godliness, learning and experiencing the distinctions between believing and discipleship. Periodically, God, our other mother, wishes for us to shed our old robe and put on a new, more roomy shield for our most vulnerable personal parts. We may have to adjust to stiff new fabric that hangs loose or just differently than what we've gotten used to. We may have to move toward going someplace, committing to some action, making new connections that truly allow room for our value-driven spiritual selves to grow. In Paul's letter to Colossians, he mentions that this clothing should take the form of patience, kindness, compassion, love, and meekness. Nature is a great teacher of all these virtues. Alongside water and sunlight, the sustainer of life in nature is the soil, the hummus, the root word of humility. According to Joan Chittister, when I am exhibiting humility, I am vulnerable. I am naked and known. I am authentic. Expecting perfection from yourself or others is a form of wearying pride. It is a healing discipline to let go of our control and let God work on us, change us, build us. It is freeing to acknowledge our weaknesses. We must learn to allow our humiliations to become, humili to become humility, not shame. Remember that humility's word origin is from hummus or earth. And that as Joan Chittister says, we must commit ourselves to not running away from the growth moments in life. We fall and we get up. We fall and we get up. We never arrive. We are always arriving. Humility is a vulnerable opening towards deeper, dear connection with God. Let my will be God's will. Just as the rose nourished by the hummus speaks and pays attention in this Mary Oliver poem. As, I, as long as we are able to be extravagant, we will be hugely and damply extravagant. Then we will drop foil by foil to the ground. This is our unalterable task and we do it joyfully their fragrance all the while rising from their blind bodies, making me spin with joy. Accepting responsibility to our community is another way to practice humility. At Woodlands, where I teach, a group of us have been part of monthly trainings to reinvigorate the character education component of our students' school experience. Alongside this, we are participating in book studies. One of these insight, insight building books is it's called The Culture Code, and it's by Charles Duhigg. 
Um, he's also the author of the book, The Power of Habit. The question this book seeks to answer is, why do certain groups add up to be greater than the sum of their parts, while others add up to be less? There's an intriguing experiment they describe in this book where groups competed to build the tallest possible structure using 20 pieces of uncooked spaghetti. Yep, that's what those are. One yard of transparent tape, one yard of string, and one standard sized marshmallow that has to end up on top. The fascinating part of the experiment, however, had less to do with the task than with the participants. Some of the teams consisted of business school students. The others consisted of kindergartners. We presume skilled individuals will combine to produce skilled performance in the same way we presume two plus two will combine to produce four. We would be wrong in this case. In dozens of trials, kindergartners build, built structures that averaged 26 inches tall while business school students built structures that averaged less than 10 inches. The result feels like an illusion because our instincts have led us to focus on the wrong details. We focus on what we can see, individual skills. While what really matters is the interaction when creating their structures, the business school students appear to be collaborating, but in fact, they are engaged in a process psychologists call status management. They are figuring out where they fit into the larger picture. Who's in charge? Is it okay to criticize someone's ideas? What are the rules here? Their interactions appear smooth, but their underlying behavior is riddled with inefficiency, hesitation, and subtle competition. Because of this adult tendency, we must beware. Our spiritual robe can be stretched to fit our form, and we can sew on pieces and pockets that suit our aesthetics and desire for carrying things. It can be a real comfort to keep wearing the broken in, stuff-laden robe. So I ask us now, what are our pockets full of? Why do we carry these things? Is it out of worry, pride, insecurity, a need for surety? We'll sing that lovely song, Solemn Stillness, Weary Streets at the end of our service today. The lyrics implore us to fling our load down, let the gentle wings unfurl. And I ask, us again, I ask us again to make a list of the loads we are carrying. What would we have energy or imagination for without them? What if we hand them to God? These pockets and patches that we insist on keeping because of comfort, ambition, even compassion. Is it for you? Is it for others? Does holding this heavy burden change anything for the better? Each spiritual garment we keep longer than necessary can keep us in place 
where we are familiar, but we must not reject that next robe our mothering God has made for us. Meant to replace what we've already grown into and with room to allow for expansion so that we can continually be able to enlarge our sense of God's vision, God's mission. If worry invades the decision-making process, we must, as her children, trust that God's steadfast love will surround us in that hold you till you're strong enough way. Speaking of children, back to the experiment. Compare the adults inefficient social stumbling to the actions of kindergartners who appear disorganized on the surface, but when you view them as a single entity, their behavior is efficient and effective. They are not competing for status. They stand shoulder to shoulder and work energetically together. They move quickly, spotting problems and offering help. They experiment, take risks, and notice outcomes which guides them toward effective solutions. As we work together, play together, plan together, worship together, move together collectively as a church family in true body of Christ form, we feel a lifting force that allows us to fling our load down and unbend our tired forms. In order to do this humbly, we must compassionately view our own individual choices and hesitancies clearly while simultaneously viewing one another with mercy, mercy, similar to the kindergartners in the experiment. When we are needed and known individually and as a church family, there is a flow of faith, hope, and love. We know and acknowledge that we can't do this alone and that we must choose to dare to imagine wearing God's robe as the body of Christ it seems especially fitting to explore this idea at the time we celebrate the day the body of Christ was first born into this world. When we grow in humble, joyful purpose together in community, we rise. I'll end here with Kwame Alexander's poem, Majestic. And this one celebrates Maya Angelou who intimately knew the growth-oriented resilience of the human spirit. Rise into the wonder of daybreak. Be a rainbow in the cloud. Be a free bird on the back of the night wind. Shine on, honey. Walk with joy in your golden feet over crystal seas and purpled mountains. Know your beauty is a thunder your precious heart unsaleable. Be brave like a new seed bursting with extraordinary promise. Shine on, honey. Know you are phenomenal. <laughs>